Hello, welcome to Football Annie Podcast number 20. It's a bit different this week because we're recording our, only for the second time our uh, live podcast. We're in Den Haag, The Hague in the Netherlands and I'm here with regular James. Hello. And a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself, special guest? <laughs> Hello, thank you for having me. It's an honour to be a part of the uh, Football Annie uh, Broadcast podcast. Uh, my name is Jeroen, Jeroen Dijsson. Um, I am the Dutch head football week manager researcher, so for the uh, computer game called Football Manager. I've been doing that for about uh, 14, 15 years, I think. Uh, I'm responsible for the uh, yeah, the entire Dutch research and uh, how it eventually gets into the game. So players, teams, statistics, attributes, the whole lot. Mm. Um, I'm based in Den Haag, so that's also uh, partially why we're here. We're, uh, sitting in front of the Binnenhof, which is uh, a very nice place to uh, do a nice podcast. Yeah, so you can yeah, stalk yes. exactly where we're sitting. Right. Um, and I, I, I'm going to be with you later, Jeroen, um, at the Arde Den Haag Heerenveen uh, game. Um, I mean, by now it would have been played. Uh, we released this podcast shortly after it's recorded. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here with James and Jeroen because I, I, I was at the Nakbreda Sparta Rotterdam game on Friday. It's a great atmosphere there. I don't know if you've ever experienced it, like, but it's just not the same seeing on the TV, like when you're actually in the stadium, it's, it's fantastic. And um, on, on Sunday, I'm, I'm at the Kelp for a final against Willem Tway. Um, what's the atmosphere going to be like at the Kyocera Stadium tonight? <laughs> or has it got a new name now? Um, I think it's still the Kyocera, but it's, I think it's the 1st of September that they're going to change to the new sponsor name, which is going to be the Cars Jeans uh, Stadium. Uh, is that linked to the owners? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, the main sponsor really. I, mean, I think they just uh-huh. bought the, uh, uh, the stadium name. Mm. Uh, apparently, it's, uh, yeah, it's for a bigger amount of money than Kyushu uh, are willing to offer, so that's uh, good for the uh, for the Ado club. Um, but you, ex- you experienced uh, the Avocin knock uh, yesterday, so that uh, yeah, that should have been good. Um, yeah, I think they're quite happy to be back in the uh, uh, in the highest league in, uh, in Holland. You'll get uh, Ado uh, here to fame uh, this evening. That yeah, should be decent. Uh, the uh, Ado fans are. Uh, quite enthusiastic generally. Yeah, that's what I've noticed as well with just Dutch football fans in general. It's yeah. just a lot more enthusiasm. There's a lot more passion to it. And I think if anyone listening like thinks, I could go and see a game in the Netherlands. I spoke to one on Twitter and I think, you know, it's, it's a thing to do. It's just come for the weekend and experience a few games because the atmosphere is just something different. Yeah. Um, you also have a lot of choice when, uh, when choosing where you want to go. You've got Rotterdam, you've got Amsterdam, you've got The Hague. Uh, some people even go to Eindhoven. I won't be attending the match in uh, the Hague tonight between Ardo and Hilo Bay, but I have been to the stadium before to interview Eduard de Plant, so I've uh, seen inside of it and the press office, uh, press office uh, rooms and things, so uh, I hope you have a great time and it uh, should be a good game. Cheers, James. Right, well, let's get started on the podcast, and I, this time, really should questions at the end. Oh, I should also mention, of course, we're available on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes, as usual. You can always send in us uh, some questions and our Twitter handles will be in the descriptions on all our platforms. Uh, we're going to start then on a question for a change and it's concerning Casper Dolberg because there's been an offer from Monaco this week which has been turned down, quite a lot of money and it says, it's, it's from, it's from uh, Elder Pigeon, 
I think it's a French guy. Um, he says, who, who, who could replace Dolberg if he leaves to Monaco? Would Hunterlar be enough with only Eredivisie to play? And that opens a can of worms, doesn't it, about Ajax as well and their season ahead. Who wants to answer that? Uh, I think with it being so late in the window, I think it may well only have to be enough because whether we'll have time to, um, to find a replacement at such short notice. I think with the money involved, it's quite natural that Ajax were going to turn down the first bid, but also from Dolberg's point of view, having had such a great season last season, when a team like Monaco comes in, where he can train in such an environment, where he can uh, play in a strong league, he can um, be part of a strong squad, it must be very attractive for him also. So I think a lot's going to happen between now and, um, and Thursday, but I think um, if Dolberg was to go, I would be surprised if Ajax would have enough time to find an adequate replacement. Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely an interesting question. Uh, it's going to be quite uh, quite difficult for Ajax to find a solution if they do uh, let Dolberg go. Um, if they can recoup maybe 50 million euros or 60 million euros or something to that extent, I'd probably do it. Um, but they're not going to spend it though, are they? Well, well, the thing is, they've sold Sanchez for 40 million. They've got a replacement in Vobo. Mm. For or was it seven and a half million? So they have about thirty million left. They can reinvest, let's say, another thirty million, uh, which they can get for Dorbeck. If they have their scouting done, they can definitely get another striker in. For you know, they have sixty million to spend. I mean, they need a few more players. They don't just need another striker. They need another midfielder. They might need another defender as well. But divide it by three, they can get a good striker for twenty million. They can get Vincent Janssen from Tottenham. Mm. Um, if that doesn't work out, yes, they have Huntelaar. Huntelaar is fine as a first striker in the EWC. He's going to score 15, 20 goals. That's no problem at all. They won't have another backup. Well, they have Kashira, but Kashira is still a question mark, leaning towards a failure. But give him some more time, he'll get some games into the Ajax. That's not necessarily bad, but you don't want to build on Kashira. We've got another kid coming up, Kaisirhaus, but I don't think he's ready yet. So if they do let go of Dolbeth, which for the right amount of money I would still do it. They have Huntelaar, but they will need another striker. I think someone like Vincent Gonsu is an easy, easy solution. I mean, you can get a lot more creative than Vincent Gonsu, but you know he'll get the goals for Ajax. But they definitely will need to have in their scouting network some kid in Brazil, some kid in Colombia that's worth 15, 20 million that will have to fit in. Okay. I think there's time. Yeah. You say Huntelaar's good enough at Ajax, and perhaps the amount of games and it could cause a few injuries and they win just a second striker. Uh, but speaking of Huntelaar, I have a question here from Derek. Um, and, and he wants he, he wants to know that if, if Huntelaar can put himself back into the first frame pitcher uh, at Ajax, can he come back into contention with the Dutch squad? We've seen Van Persie come back and he hasn't done a lot since. Disappointing for Fenerbahce, so... You know, does, does this mean the doors open for Huntelaar and a new striker's come in the Dutch squad? Probably, yeah. I, I'm against selecting from Persie. I, I actually I understand uh, uh, Afrika's reasoning. He, he probably sees uh, uh, from, Persie, from Persie as a leader. And I think he's hoping that uh, France versus Holland is going to be a tight game. I honestly think that France will win 2-0, two, 3-0, two something like that. But you never know. 
it could be a close game. Maybe it will be nil nil one one after 60, 65, 70 minutes, and you can bring Van Persie on. Maybe Van Persie can bring some magic. Uh, I think that's the two reasons why he brought Van Persie along, experience, and maybe he can be that guy that still has something to offer, like a Snyder, who can't play 90 minutes, but he can have that spark of brilliance. I also think Huntelaars. I don't really think you need another striker that's getting on a bit, picking for your Dutch squad. It's difficult, you have Dost, you have Janssen, Dost is not working out, Janssen, even though his track record for Oranje isn't bad, I think he's on 13 caps and 7 goals, that's decent, he's not a great Oranje striker. And you have Van Persie who's getting too old, Winterheim is getting too old, I think you need to move on. I, I personally, I play a completely different system. I personally, I would actually pick a 5-3-2 or 3-5-2 kind of system and I wouldn't rely on any of the aforementioned players. So is that because you think that five at the back will help with France or is this more of a direction for the team in general going forward? No, that's a difficult one. I think it would help against France. I think it would surprise them. And France have some absolute quality players. And I think that you can hold them back a little bit better if you have three central defenders. You have your wing backs that can help out in defence they can also provide the opportunities in, uh, in the offence. I think for France, they're that good that you have to bring a little bit extra. Normally, Bulgaria and Sweden are countries that you should be able to beat. We were unfortunate against Sweden. An unlucky goal disallowed, which was a goal. Bulgaria was just complete nonsense, but yeah, that can happen sometimes. But normally, you're better than those two. Yeah, that's a pretty difficult campaign, isn't it? And, um I don't know what you think about this, James. Do, do you think they've got a chance against France with the squad they've announced? Uh, no, I don't think so. But my point goes back to the very beginning when the draw was initially made, when you knew that facing Bulgaria, Sweden and France in, in one group is going to be difficult. You can also draw comparisons to the Euro 2016 qualifying group where they faced um, uh, Turkey, Czech Republic, Iceland, you know, these are teams that were had something to offer. I think. Advocat has fallen back on experience with selecting Van Persie, hoping that experience is going to be key in getting a positive result. Um, whether Huntelaar can be selected in future squads remains to be seen because I think that has more to do with the direction that the national team is going in. Because um, regardless of whether Advocat will stay until uh, after the qualifying campaign, whether he'll stay on after that, whether he'll leave immediately afterwards, if somebody new comes in, will they want to? look at youth where they want to have a, a different system so I think um, I think that will be interesting come the end of the qualifying campaign. Yeah, I think the situation with Advocat is that he will uh, he will leave if we don't qualify, that's 99% sure. If we do qualify uh, for the Euros then he will stay uh, yeah, through to the, uh, the Euros. It's tricky overall though isn't it, um, because he's it's a very difficult situation and it's hard to pick up the team but it's it's been this way for so long now where they don't seem to pick up the results they should be even though yes the player quality has declined since the two world cups that we've seen they've got you know they got to the final third place but the quality of the players even then wasn't one of the, the strongest in the world in europe um obviously very good players but what what's happened since then and you know why, 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 why does it take us this long to sort of turn the situation around? Why have they found it so difficult? 
I think the lack of transparency from the very top has proved the problem. As I've stated in, in previous podcasts, Kakanda Bay in, in previous years would always go after the candidate they wanted, always putting the interests of the national team. Uh, that is the most important thing and putting the interest above anything. And nine times out of ten, they've got the candidate they want. And um, I think in this case, the lack of transparency, the dilly-dallying between candidates and speaking to many, many different people. Um, yeah, I, I just think they've lost their way a little bit. They wasn't as uh, cohesive as a unit in terms of a, a national football association as they have been in previous years. And, you know, it all comes down to this one match, this crunch match against France. Um, it's going to be away in France as well. It's not at home. It's not, for example, in the Calps, if they use the fans. It's going to be an extremely tough game. They have to win, otherwise it's relying upon a very unlikely result. But looking at the French, the French squad here, there's there's all sorts of talent up front, and you can just see goals. There's no way that the Dutch are going to keep a clean sheet. You wouldn't think. Um, the only way to, is to sort of outscore them, I suppose. And you can look at the defenders there. Maybe Costiano will get a game. James's favourite. Um, but yeah, the, the, it's a it's a great big squad, and I, I always think that maybe in the midfield I find it very difficult. Pogba and Conte are going to start. And the, the Dutch midfielders, for example, Vijnaldum, Stoltman, Klaus, and they're going to find it very difficult to play against them. What hope do we have of winning the match? <laughs> uh, I'm not very confident, but maybe, yeah, if you need to be a little bit lucky. You get a penalty after five minutes and the goalkeeper gets sent off for those kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I, th I think France squad is definitely, definitely better. I, I'm not incredibly impressed by the defence. So... Hope the Holland squad will get opportunities. On the other side, yeah, they do have a good midfield and they have a great attack. I mean, I'm not sure if Lacazette's going to play, but I mean, they've got Griezmann, they've got Lacazette, Mbappe, they're just phenomenal strikers. And that, that's also why I initially said that, you know, maybe we just need an extra defender. Because, uh, yeah, if, if we play with the 4 4 2 as we usually do, we also need the midfield to, to, uh, uh, yeah, to help out defensively. That's also where we failed recently. I mean, for example, Strootman was also, the lift got a lot of slack against uh, Bulgaria uh, for, for the, uh, the goals Bulgaria scored. Yes, admit it, he wasn't very fortunate in both situations, but I think we need to look further and also notice that Strootman wasn't doing his defensive tasks. Zoot is not a commanding leader of, uh, in the goal, that's also a problem for the Dutch side. If everybody's fit, you have a, a decent attack, you have Robin. Robin is always something special. But it's not the one player that you can have your focus on that you can count on. It's like it used to be. Um, and it, even then it was a good team effort. Mm -hmm. But let's say going forwards, uh, you, you, you two are the, the kind of a baby. What would you do? Who would you, who would you hire? Because for me, Avocat leaves if, if, this Fran if, the, if they lose to France, or perhaps a few matches after that once it becomes more important again. Can you imagine he's more time to bed things in, to change things? What would you do? Um, if I was to climb the bay, I would go all out for Koeman. I think Everton have put themselves under enormous pressure, and Koeman has also put himself under pressure by spending vast sums of money in the summer transfer market. I think that's Everton flexing their muscles and their newfound wealth. If results do not follow and expectations that have been raised are not met, then things could go south a little, uh, very quickly. I think if the Canberra Bay are strong enough to be proactive and to spot that, to spot the early signs of that, 
and maybe even caught Ronald Koeman. To become national team manager is not, it's not a task which is put away for lots and lots of different people. And Koeman felt overlooked when Hiddink was, um, was given the job. As the Kaiba Bay, I would go all out to sell it to Koeman that this is what we want to offer you, this can be your future. And I think if they, if they spot the signs early, if things are going awry at Everton and they sell, they sell it enough to him coupled with his own personal ambition, I think that could be the best way to go to building a cohesive unit and a national team that will be able to compete uh, once again in the future. I think Kuman is one of the yeah the better managers that you could perhaps potentially still uh, yeah still clinch. It's going to be difficult. Um, a lot of people were thinking about big big international names, but that's uh, that's not going to happen. I mean, the Dutch FA has a set amount of money available uh, for the, uh, the Dutch national team manager. I think. The salary will be, well actually I'm not sure what the salary is, but it will be too low for the really big names. Okay, they can up that a little bit. I mean, mm. if you can offer a million, you can offer a million, 1.5 million, maybe you can offer two million, but that's not going to get, that's not going to get you Jose Mourinho, that's, that's going to mm. be impossible. I think Koeman is a decent shout, uh, but it really does depend on how things fare at Everton. I know that he, deep down he still wants the, the horn roll, he's indicated that several times, even though he's been mistreated a little bit in the negotiations but yeah somewhere along the line he'll still want it but if, if he goes if he goes the distance with everything if they still do well he's not going to be up for grabs then I have one more name on my list uh, he's been at Utrecht for a while but I think Eric Ten Hag he's been, he's been phenomenal um, I think it's his third season at Utrecht I think one or two seasons down the line it will be time for him to, to make a move make a change bigger club or maybe the national team yeah, I, I, I agree with that entirely. Ericsson Hogg's he's my favourite manager in the Eredivisie. Someone asked me the other day um, who they'd have as the Bellin manager, and I said, it's this guy who selects Ericsson Hogg. He, he's very good tactically for a start. He'll polish with diamonds, or um, for want of a better phrase, turn shit into gold. <laughs> he will, he, he will he'll make good players out of nothing, and that's what the Dutch national team needs. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think they go for someone like him. He's, he's not a name um, as such. And I, having looked at the, the, the managers I had in mind last time when Avocat was appointed, it was so unimaginative. And even if it was a foreign manager, they weren't particularly talented in my opinion. I don't think a foreign manager would be extremely well received in the Netherlands personally. And I think experience at international level is key. I think Den Haag is a good manager. There's no doubt about that, but it's a natural progression for him to maybe take a step up to a, a bigger club and to prove his worth even more before being linked with national team job, something like that. And to go back on uh, the point of the salary, I think in the past I've heard some figures banded around that the um, national team uh, manager's job commands a salary between 600,000 and 1 million euros. Um, I think, like Edwin says, they can up that to get the man they really want over the line but it's about finding a balance I, I would much prefer that they go with the long term in mind in getting the national team to be able to compete again rather than uh, a turgid free, uh, few couple of years that they've had uh, in recent years I want to lighten the discussion but we've got another problem at the moment in Dutch football not just the, the national team uh, I'll use a question here to open it up we had a question that said uh, Dutch football is going through some difficult times club and national team level so what's salvation at his mess? Now this came after Ajax were knocked out of the Europa League 
on fourth two in aggregate, so those on board from Norway. Very poor result, but having watched the match, I perhaps were a little unlucky, but the three shots on target for Rosenborg were goals. Um, so my, my, my point there would be perhaps be, is it a style of play issue for Dutch teams in Europe? Because why are we now only left with final of the test out of the five teams? Of course, they didn't have to qualify, but Ajax got knocked out of Utrecht. And um, of course, PSV. Uh, which is also embarrassing. So there's another issue. So w what can we do going forward? Because if 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 you if teams look forward to qualifying for Europe, it's going to be a lot harder to actually get into the main group stages. Because next next season we're already facing the automatic group stage spot being lost for the Champions League, and the season after that, at the moment, it's looking like that the Netherlands will lose its second Champions League spot altogether. What what can we do? I think there's loads that needs to be done. Um, uh, the current, this season, the current teams that played in Europe, only Utrecht did all right. I mean, they lost that to Zenit, uh, St. Petersburg, after extra time, and they held their own. And, you know, they really did well. But that's the team that wasn't required to actually do anything. Utrecht was the uh, yeah, the weakest of the three, so to speak. And, okay, they did all right. Base they didn't. He should have beaten Austria. Ajax didn't do well. Nice was a tricky one. Okay, you can lose that one. They weren't luck. They didn't have luck on their side. Okay, fair enough. Can happen. Rosenborg was another team they really needed to beat because Ajax normally is better than Rosenborg. And if you did watch the games, yeah, Ajax had more opportunities. Ajax were ahead two one actually in Rosenborg and Yunus hit the post. If it was one three, the game would have been done, and it would have been a, an okay reflection of the match. But, as Mike said, Luxembourg had three shots on target, all three goals were, all three shots on target were goals. That's something that I see a lot lately. And I'm not sure if it's mentality or if it's tactical awareness or lack of tactical awareness, but Dutch teams get beaten so often. They all have ball possession, they all play nice, attacking, smooth football. Very nice to look at. Oh, look at the skills, oh, very good, very nice. They'll create some opportunities, but they won't score because the strikers are just not good enough. And then a lack of concentration, a lack of tactics or a lack of coaching, and bam, Dutch sides lose. It happens so many times. I think that is one of the aspects that, that needs focus. Tactics, awareness, defense. And then it goes way beyond that. You have your youth systems, you have your scouting, you have the very fun debate on proper grass or artificial grass. Everything counts towards each other. There are maybe 10 or 15 things that you need to focus on to bring the Dutch football back to where it needs to be. And no, it's not going to be able to compete with the top European sides. You know, the Dutch sides cannot compete with English, German, Spanish sides, but we're falling into obscurity right now. And that's something that definitely doesn't need to happen. If, if you focus on all the parts that you need to focus on, and I'm touching on this really, really shortly because, yeah, we could be sitting here for hours. But you can make a big step towards being a lot better than you are right now. But it's going to be very, very difficult if you look at the, 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 the draws that Feyenoord and Fidesz have had as well. Feyenoord are in the group of Shakhtar Donetsk, Napoli and Man City. I don't believe they'll qualify. Fidesz are in a group Resort of Aachen, Lazio and Nice. I don't think they're going to qualify. That's definitely a problem. <laughs> My first point on the European debate is 
when looking at the results of the Europa League and the Champions League, the first thing that springs to my mind is how the gap between the um, well-known European teams in terms of reputation and the lesser European teams that in some cases people have never heard of is getting smaller and smaller and smaller year upon year. Maybe it's ignorance in terms of certain opponents where clubs think they can take certain clubs lightly. And being at the home game of Ajax against Rosenborg, Rosenborg had one chance that resulted in a goal in which they won the game and Ajax burned a lot of chances. Um, you don't made some very good points um, about the um, about the setup and how things can um, be put right, but it's it's about getting your house in order and allowing things to develop and, um, and going uh, going back to basics in terms of the strengths that they used to have uh, in the past. Like for example, not in the not so long ago, that players didn't necessarily leave the country at a really, really young age to go and, and, and sit on the sidelines in Germany, Spain or Italy or France. Now it's as if as soon as the first offer is made, the bags are packed and they're off. There doesn't seem to be any patience anymore from the players, from the agents, even from the environment that they're, football, that they're playing football in. The patience to, to say, hang on a minute, this is where I'm playing my football, I need to earn my stripes here, I need to uh, find my place and then if I'm performing well and gaining a reputation, then maybe an offer will come. I think uh, for Dutch clubs to have only have now two um, representatives in Europe is a, it's a damning indictment. And um, Feyenoord are going to struggle in that group, especially with the away days. I think in uh, Donetsk and, um, and uh, Napoli and Manchester. And, and Vitesse, they may well spring a surprise at home against Nice or Lazio. But uh, I think in the case of Vitesse, it's about them enjoying the experience. Uh, I, I agree they're going to find it difficult, but I don't agree with Feyenoord's group. I think Feyenoord's group is one of the kindest out of the lot, mainly because they can beat Shakhtar home and away, in my opinion. And then after that, that means they could uh, finish third, at least. OK, I do agree that Man City and Napoli are much more difficult teams, but looking at Man City and how inconsistent they can be at times, who knows, especially at home. And I think that Feyenoord are the main hope here because I agree with what you said, James. It's, it's going to be very difficult. Nice, Lazio, Vitesse. Um, but let's see what happens. I think, in terms of performing in Europe, finals have 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 what PSV used to have a couple of years ago, where they have that strength, they have that ability to actually defend. If they got a lead, they will defend it. I didn't do that against Rosenborg. They got two one ahead, didn't shut up shop. They tried to go for a third, and whilst I admire their style of play, there's a time and a place, and they, if, if they need to start defending, they defend. They defend that result and they keep it. Um, didn't happen though, and they got knocked out. Utrecht, it was admirable again, but Zenit Petersburg were too good, and I think their look of a draw comes into play. And a few years ago, it happened quite a lot with Dutch teams drawing particularly difficult teams. Uh, when 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 PSV drew, was it Bayern Munich and Atletico Madrid both in the, you know, in the Champions League? That, that that's almighty hard to get through. But at least finally got a chance there against Napoli, who are a good team, but aren't the best in Italy, and Man City aren't the best in England. They spent a lot of money, but can still be beatable. Um, I guess it's a final point for me on this whole European issue. It's 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 going to get a lot worse. I had optimism for Dutch football get you know reclaiming something after Ajax got to the Europa League final. It, it made me think that teams like PSV would put in that effort to beat Osijek from Croatia, but lost home and away. And for example, Lukaku after the match, and Michael Bell said it last time. 
um, on our podcast how he was shocked and I was shocked as well that Lukaku said oh, I wasn't motivated to play this Croatian team in the Europa League because I kind of fancy playing Bayern Munich instead you're not playing Bayern Munich you're paid to do a job and you'd think that after the Europa League performance Ajax that you'd be a bit more motivated to do so but obviously not um, I think in, in the case of certain opponents I think ignorance can be called into play as soon as that draw was made with PSV facing Croatian side or yeah. Uh, within a few hours, it was never mind about them. We're going to be uh, progressing around further, and then we'll look ahead to that. Still had 180 minutes to play, and uh, the shock to lose in Eindhoven and, and to not go through and to not fail, not to be able to turn it around in Croatia. I think, um, I think because the gap of European teams domestically in Serbia, in uh, Azerbaijan, even even in um, Austria, because the ga- uh, gap is getting smaller and smaller. Um, there's ignorance coming into play where we've never heard of some of these teams and we don't have to deal we don't, we don't have to bother all of them there was a Slovenian side, I think Gonzalo they held Olympic Marseille to a draw Olympic Marseille arguably the biggest club in France in terms of history and, uh, and charisma and a team from Slovenia managed, them, managed to, uh, to hold them to a draw in the first leg so I think um, clubs also have to be aware of the teams they're facing and even though they're not seasoned European names, they have to do their due diligence to make sure they, that they prepare accordingly. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, Locaria, that was just, yeah, for me as well, I mean, I'll speak for James as well, we're, we're getting on a little bit, we're getting a little bit older, and uh, I cannot understand why uh, Locaria would even think that. Okay, I can imagine, hey, we're playing Osijek, yeah, fine, we should be able to beat them, we should still be motivated. If, if, if I turn it around to it, though, if, if I if I consider myself an Osijek player, I would think to myself, okay, I'm playing at a decent team in Croatia. Osijek has always been third, fourth, fifth in, in Croatia every single season. If I play well, if, if we beat PSV, and if I'm that striker to score three or four goals, I'm actually going to earn myself a contract to the Premier League. And I think that kind of drive is what set Osijek apart from... The lack of drive which Locario was showing. Yeah, you want to play Bayern, yeah, that's fine, don't we all? But before you can actually play Bayern, yeah, you will have to beat Josiek. Mm-hmm. And if you actually, as a Locario, who's definitely a decent player, but if he plays well and if he scores three against Osiek, if he scores three against uh, Neftchi Baku, uh, to, to, to name another team, then other teams will go, hey, all right, that's a decent player, we'll think about him. Mm-hmm. I think a good example for the Dutch league to follow would be the, the Belgian league because of the surprises they've come up with the last couple of seasons in Europe. That if you look at the UEFA coefficient, how they rank the leagues and all the places, the Champions League and Europe League, Belgium are ninth, and that's puts them in the top ten, which is where the Netherlands need to be really in terms of their league standard. Um, the moment it's at eleventh, they could get a lot worse this season. Could drop down to around fifteenth. Austria's on our tail, I think. Yeah, especially with Austria, especially with Austria Vienna winning. And they're going through to the UEFA League group case. It'll make a big difference, won't it? Um, and, and but Belgium are, are are high up, and yeah, if they can get enough points like they they do, then that's that's what they should aim for. I think as well, Turkey. Um, after seeing, I think there's only two of their five teams left in Europe right now, just like the Netherlands. It's a little mini crisis there as well because the team like Fenerbahce couldn't, couldn't get through. Um, and think how much money they've got. Their top three is much richer than the Dutch top three. And as well, further down the league, there's a lot of good professional seasoned players that play in Turkey, perhaps for the money. 
but it does make the league stronger. Definitely for the money, yeah. It's definitely yeah. for the money. I don't think it's for the weather. The, 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 problem, uh, the problem with the Turkish sides, though, is that they, they often bring in uh, has-beens. They, mm. they, they bring in players for their name. So definitely there are some, there are some decent players in Turkey, but there are a lot of players that really aren't that good anymore. But they've been signed, others used to be a good player. So that is, that is a problem for Turkish football. Although, that yes, they, are, they, have, they have really big club guys, right? Basically, does Fenerbahce, even two or three teams that are upcoming. Definitely so. Belgium, I'm not really a fan of the, the Belgian clubs either. I mean, I'm not, I'm not convinced that their whole new league structure is the, the, yeah, the way forward. I'm glad that the Dutch league hasn't gone that way. Yes, the Belgian clubs are doing okay right now in, in Europe, but they face the same predicament as the Dutch clubs. All the good players leave. And that's also, yeah, something that you can't prevent. I mean, Hakim Ziyech, I said, Ajax will probably still be here uh, one or two more seasons. But if you look just below that, Sanchez is gone. Uh, David Pruppers has moved on. Klaassen, okay, Klaassen has been in Holland for quite a while, but still, ideally, you keep those players longer. Same, the same issue is, is, is there in Belgium for this Criado who moves from Club Brugge to, uh, to Brighton for, uh, for crazy money. I agree with Julian's uh, point about being pleased that the Dutch kind of a, did not go back down the same route as the Belgian FA in terms of alterating the league structure. I think in terms of uh, Turkey, I think Galatasaray lost in the previous qualifying round to Osterlins from Sweden and Fenerbahce losing, uh, I think it's uh, Fadus. Again, I think ignorance comes into play. I think um, where they haven't maybe done their due diligence to think, um, to think oh, regardless of whether we're facing a team we've heard of or not, we've got to uh, make sure that we're ready and we've got to make sure that we qualify. Also, the, um, the question of pride, being able to take part in the competition, being able to raise the name of the club, being able to help the reputation of the club get bigger. Uh, you don't just touch on uh, David Pripa. It wasn't so long ago that he was uh, linked with a move to Zenit from Petrofellas, and he admitted himself that his head was turned, and he, he did suffer in terms of the games he played after being linked. Um, with him signing for Brighton, it's highly likely that such a promising young Dutch player could well be a Championship player this time next year, and this was a player that not so long ago was linked with one of the biggest clubs in Russia. So that also tells the story. I totally agree. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, James and Yudu. All right. Thank yes. you for having me. No, you're always welcome back. Um, and don't forget to leave a like for us and comment, see what you think. Give us your opinion on Dutch football matters at the moment. Um, and subscribe if you're new. Thanks for listening.